San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760KFMB or tune in radio, you can hear the show as it airs on any device. And, of course, all these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com and uh, iTunes. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, accomplished marathon runner, best-selling author, lecturer, philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I am marvelous, Joe. <laughs> packing my bags and going to Italy. So. <laughs> and Switzerland, right? And Switzerland, yeah. All right. So, And for how long is this? About a week and a half, I think. Outstanding. Just you and Mary? or? Yeah. Well, oh. we got friends in Switzerland. We have friends in Italy. Excellent. So where in Switzerland? Because I've been to a few places there. You Primarily go, Zurich. Zurich, okay. And All then right. down in Italy. We're You're going to check your Swiss bank accounts? Is that I'm going to check deal? my Swiss bank accounts. All exactly. right. And then in Italy, we're going to be in Tuscany near Florence. Mm-hmm. Not too bad. We'll try to get over to Lucerne and see those swans. It's a terrific place. Well, everything in Switzerland is beautiful, yeah, it's though. It's beautiful. And, and uh, actually, actually, it's hard to find a place that's not too good looking over there in that part of Europe. So. Anyway, have fun. Hey, there's Game of Thrones phenomenon. Have you? I haven't. What is it, in the seventh season? I haven't seen any of it, and it seems like a lot of people. I'm proud to say I haven't watched even 20 seconds. Have you, Justin? Have you checked it out at all, or no? I have not. Have not. Okay. Anyway, it seems to have caught some people's imaginations and whatever. And Why do you bring this up? Thron- well, I know we just had Comic Con here and uh, whatever. You didn't go to that, did you? I stayed as far <laughs> away as possible. <laughs> I uh, I went one. Remember we had Rod Roddenberry on. I remember. Yeah. And uh, he did give me a. Pay, I met him down there. And uh, did you wear your Ewok suit? No, he just gave me a pass. He said, "If you want to come on, come real, real early, so I can get through the whole thing." And uh, I walked the whole. He gave me one of his passes, and then I. I, I, I don't it. get it, Joe. I well, I mean, I, I made the mistake once of having to go to San Jose to visit my daughter. That's not the mistake, but it was while AnimaCon was going on. Oh well, that's, which is similar to. Comic-Con, but it's all the animation. Well, that's actual cartoons. I'm it's actual cartoons. Yeah. So my theory of the case was that there was 12,000 people at the San Jose, San Jose Convention Center that were totally and completely undateable. Yeah, okay. That's, that's my theory. Okay, whatever. Well, don't date them then. <laughs> no, I mean, these, it was just a freak show. I'm sorry. Anyway, enough enough with the small talk. We've got a pretty cool guest here. He's, uh, I think he's a San Diego native, but he's an artist. He's a writer. He's an activist. Um what else could you say about this guy? He's a, he's a renaissance man, I would say. He's in Rotary, all kinds of cool things, but let's introduce him. His name is George Mullen. George, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Joe and Jerry, or Richard, I'm sorry. Jerry, uh, uh, whatever. We were just talking about Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> What's and, your name? Yeah. But uh, this guy is really cool. He's a business owner downtown. Uh, he's an artist. I'd say you're primarily an artist. Wouldn't you say that, George? Uh, I would, but yeah. some people wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Art is in the eye of the it's, beholder, There right? you go. Yeah. Well, everyone's a critic, too. So, But um, let's get into your background. Pretty fascinating. Born and raised where? In, in San Diego? In or? San Diego. Born at Sharp Hospital. Yeah. Well, so I am a native. Okay. There was only a couple hospitals back in the day, right? That's uh, right. <laughs> Sharp and back that far. It's either what is it? It's either it's either Mercy or, or Sharp or Sharp, right? Absolutely, I'm well, a Sharp baby. There you go. We it, had the Naval Hospital too. Oh yeah, the, yeah, but well, sure, they did, they had a lot of output over there, I'm sure. Oh so. yeah. But um, anyway, so but where'd you go to? Uh, grade school, high school? 
uh, in the El Cajon area. Okay. And uh, went to Forte Elementary and Valhalla High School. Really? And then uh, off to college at University of Colorado Valhalla. Boulder. What year should we at Valhalla? I was there from, ni- I graduated in 1983. Oh, okay. Now, Richard, School's about 10 years old when you graduated. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> now, Richard's uh, uh, high school is where? You're, um, I was El Capitan, El but Capitan. after my sophomore year, all the kids who lived in Alpine got transferred to Valhalla for their yes. junior and senior years. That's right. I knew a bunch of Alpine kids there. Because it was a newer school and they... It was w- brand new. Wow. And closer to Alpine. How about that? So the school's not that old, basically. Yeah. The Norseman. <laughs> the Norseman. What year did you graduate, Richard? I was 76 from El Cap. Okay. I didn't get to play baseball or anything against you then. Nope. So who gets to name these schools, Valhalla? I mean, whoever made the connection between the, I guess, the Norsemen and and, uh, and El Cajon, was there a big Norwegian, Scandinavian population out there? I don't even know. I don't know, but I hear they love the uh, show The Vikings, though. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know El Capitan was named after the mountain. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's out there, right? Right. Okay. You can see it. I guess they they consider where Valhalla was to be heaven. Ah, okay. Okay, well, maybe Nirvana High School next time, right? Nirvana High. Of course, a lot of kids are already there, I think. But anyway, that's for, that's for another that's for another show. <laughs> we've got, we've got Dr. Krista Roy Ball. We'll be talking about that uh, in August sometime. But uh, in any case, George. All right. So, uh, in U- University of Colorado Boulder, and what did you study there? Uh, history and political science. All right. And then let's give us the path after college. What happened? Uh, then I went into the investment business, but mm-hmm. I, on top of the investment business, I've always been a painter and a writer, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's kind of where I am at this point. Yeah, very cool. Well, I've been to his studio. It's downtown, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a large building. How many artists in that building? That's quite a... Well, there must be 40 or 50 artists in the building. Yeah, would you imagine that? second and third floor. Yeah, would you imagine? And, and that's a lot, a lot of square feet in that place. That, I mean, that's a historic building, isn't it? I mean, yeah, Bill is the broker's building, built in uh, 1888, I believe, circa that, yeah. that era. So it's right on Market and Fourth, somewhere around there. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Very cool. I had the pleasure of going down there to, to try to get parking during Comic Con to visit George. <laughs> Boy, you, that you was went there during Comic Con, and you are not going to believe this. I got a free parking spot. You're not going to believe wow. that. Yeah. He's probably the only one yeah. in the whole city that <laughs> had that luck. <laughs> but uh, so you got a small car, Joe. Somebody, no, someone's looking out for me that yeah, day. Luck I'll of the tell. Irish, but you're not yeah. Irish, right? Yeah. No, not 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 that day. Only in St. Patrick's Day. But um, anyway, George, so investment and then art. So what, what, when did you get into the art business? Because uh, I mean, the art, become yeah. an artist. Well, I've been ba- painting for about 25 years, and I've actually been in the broker's building down there for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it's been quite a while. And so, so concurrently, the painting and writing have gone on. So, I mean, you were in the investment business, and how what, long were you doing what that What did you do in the investment business? Financial or real estate? Or? Yeah, and technically, I'm still in the investment okay, business. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But... Um, you, you, were you painting it like right through college? Did you take this? No, up? I really started painting after college. And mm. that, you know, was something that I was always interested in. And then uh, when I tried it, it just kind of took off it? from there. It just felt natural immediately. What inspired you? Did you see a movie or did you read a book or you just, the, what inspired you, inspired you to pick up a brush or start with? Actually, I always point to a time I was in uh, East Berlin in 1987 while I was still communist. Mm. And something looking at a building in a unique way made me think that I wanted to try painting. And so I always think about that, and I don't know exactly why, but uh, it was a reflection in a modern communist building. This was when the wall was still up. The wall was still up, but in the reflection of the modern building was that big uh, Catholic dome church. I believe it was Catholic, where part of it was still caved in from the war, and that's 40 years later. Mm. And it was something just very 
about that always touched me and that was, so I always consider that's what kind of motivated and, me and to try. You, you visit the the uh, the Reichstag, the uh, or uh, what's the building there? The Capitol building is it the Reichstag? The Brandenburg Gate. Uh, well, that too, but uh, what's the Reichstag? Reichstag. Yeah, yeah. We were, I mean, well, that was all closed. You I can't remember now if the Reichstag you could get to or not, but there was that whole dead man zone. So you look from the Brandenburg Gate. You know, it had the wall, two we, walls, one on the west side and then on the east. So it was that dead man zone. Yeah. And in the middle was the Fuhrer bunker, yeah. which you could just see the mound out there of where it was. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it was, a, you know, I, I forget how far, but it must have been several football fields in length. Of course, so now it's a dead man zone. Have you been back since? Because I have. And uh, I was back probably five years after the wall went down, and it was a huge construction zone, but I haven't been back in 20 years now. So the Fuhrer, so those are all like apartment buildings, and the Fuhrer bunker is a parking lot. By, uh, but they put great signage all over the, the streets. But do you know, have you been there, Richard? To, I hope you get No, there. I haven't. Um, you know what impresses me and what was, I think, gutsy of the German people, you can still see the, all the bullet holes in the Reichstag, in their Capitol building, and the Brandenburg Gate. Do you remember seeing that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, then the big church there, too, on the west side. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it now, with, with, but with to, the whole dome caved in. But, so. I, but I think for historic purposes, uh, they want to uh, remember the horror, they, not only that they engaged in, but uh, that was visited upon them. Because these cities, I mean, were blown to, blown to smithereens, uh, right? I mean, Berlin, I mean. Pretty was, destroyed. Yeah, it was and, a smoking ruin. Yeah. Boy, I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but it's always great historical information on this show. Right, Richard? Always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a tangent because that's where he decided to start painting. Yeah, exactly. That was, That's inspired him. So that, I guess that the ruins among all that progress uh, kind of triggered you. Anyway, we'll be back with George Mullen, artist, activist, and all-around good guy right after this. Hang on. We're back with George Mullen, artist, activist, and homeless advocate, and a civic-minded gentleman. Been been working in San Diego for since since how many years, George? This is a it started downtown in 1987, so 30 years. Yeah. 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 <laughs> how the decades go by so fast, there especially as the older you get. It's like, what's going on? Yeah, well, we had an NFL team and all that good stuff. Speaking of which, that's kind of how George and I crossed paths, because um, I was kind of and I was on the fence, you know, with the charges and all that. And, of course, you know, a lot of people hated to see him go. A lot of them wanted to see him go. Um, but I kind of thought, even after the measure failed, that there could have been done. There could have been more done to keep them in the stadium uh, for another couple of years until they figured everything out. And I came to come to learn that con- uh, Council Member Scott Sherman and I think a few others said, "Hey, let's give them the." Qualcomm Stadium for a dollar a year. Let's just just cut the rent and and it's the, not worth it. What's not worth it? Stadium's not even worth a dollar. Well, it's falling down. The liabilities, right? Yeah, I understand, but no, to keep more, the char- more liability than asset, the point. Right? Richard was to keep the charge. You see, if, to see if they would take the uh, a lease of a dollar a year. And apparently, the mayor did not take any position on this. And uh, George wrote a big article. Tell him, tell, tell us what you discovered on uh, George, because it's really astounding. Well, I. I, I I refute the idea that the Chargers wanted to leave. I know some of the players, and I knew they did did want to stay here. And what we discovered, I didn't discover, Jeff McDonald of the Union Tribune uh, late May came out with the revelation that uh, the mayor had been meeting with the Soccer City folks for several months prior to the Chargers even being finished pursuing Mission Valley. Mm. And I think it turned out, uh, Jeff McDonald reported about 34 secret meetings between the mayor and the mayor's people Mm -hmm. and, and the Soccer City folks. And that is a big problem because that means that they weren't dealing uh, in good faith. Right. And I don't think there's any question about it now. 
Because what Mark Fabiani told me was that they gave them a term sheet at their final meeting for... Which, which was the term sheet? Tell us well, on February, I believe it was circa February 22nd, 2016, they had a meeting with the mayor and produced a term sheet that was given to all the players there uh, about their final proposal to pursue Mission Valley, which they did want Mission Valley. And uh, they were astonished at the time that uh, the mayor just gave them straight a flat no, no negotiation, so no the can charge, we work on this. The chargers gave this term sheet for some kind of arrangement to stay in Mission Valley, and the, and the mayor just said no. Flat no. And that was the reason that they pivoted towards downtown. It wasn't that they wanted to go downtown. They, they got shut down on Mission Valley. So mm. they went downtown, which always was going to be a long shot, which I think most of us recognized. And but it, so no one really thought much about it. But since. my question but, is this. Sorry. The, the mayor has this points this commission, CSAG, and they determined that the best location is to keep them right in, in Qualcomm Stadium, right? And so, right? Yeah, I believe so. And that, that's a direct contradiction to what the mayor is is proposing, and it's his, it's his commission. So he said, the heck with you guys. I'm going to do it. I have another idea. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it was another idea. What it looks More. like now, which you or. can't, you can say it certainly looks like, uh, is that they were trying to push them out of Mission Valley for Soccer City. Mm. And what we've said is if there is some information here we don't understand, the mayor and his people should really explain this. But all these secret meetings going on before this February 22nd meeting with Soccer City really gives it a very suspect smell. And I know the Chargers were surprised by this. They didn't know these secret meetings were going on, and they got shut down, and they moved on to downtown. We know what's happened since. So to me, it looks very, very fishy. Well, they also shut down the, the Aztecs. That whole deal went went sideways, and I think that's when everybody got wind of all the private meetings and everything going bananas. So we had Fred Pierce on the show. Richard, remember that? Yeah, well, San Diego State's the one that got the real short end. Yeah. I mean, not only is he shafting the Chargers, now he's shafting the, the Aztecs. Because uh, the Aztecs don't have any options about where else to play. Yeah. And they, you know, they need more space, clearly, right. you know, for the university. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the, the, the problem here. So, so let's just say that the mayor was negotiating in good faith and the charger said no to Mission Valley moved on. Why wouldn't they have done what a normal public process is and put out a request for public proposals, an right. RFP, right. and let everyone, all the top hitters in town and little hitters, put in their ideas and then sift through them and come up with the best three and put it to a vote or whatever. I Instead mean, of just trying to line up one entity that yeah. they were meeting with secretly, it really doesn't look good at all. Yeah. Would it, would it have been uh, feasible for the Chargers, Aztecs, and the Soccers, uh, the soccer team to all play in one facility, or would they need two, um, or don't we know that? I think it's feasible, but they, some people will say that both the Aztecs and the soccer would want a smaller, more intimate stadium. Yeah. But, I, you know, it should have been discussed, though, I would think. And maybe football chews up the field too much for soccer. I don't know. Uh, uh, there may be – I don't know what the, you know, what the, what the preferences among the, the, the various leagues and whatnot. Um, I know so, the Chargers well, and Padres. What are, are your feelings on or thoughts on Soccer City? Well, I'm, I, I think it, the whole thing is very fishy. I don't, <laughs> I don't agree with it at all because uh, see, people are meeting in secret with the mayor before the Chargers are even not pursuing Mission Valley anymore. And then they push it forward, no RFP process. And I mean, a lot of big hitters in town, developers and such, and big San Diego State people are dead against it. They feel like they're being railroaded towards one entity. Yeah. That's right. And that's what it looks like to me. And think about the charges. You know, is it, is it more expensive to move once or twice? Obviously twice, right? In a perfect world, they would just, if they did want to leave San Diego, they would just move right up to, to uh, L.A. and Inglewood or, or the new, uh, the new uh, stadium along with the Cranky up there. But... Now they got to do a, a, a two parts a two part move, and boy, that's costing them a fortune, huh, Richard, to pick up and move. Well, the NFL let the Spanos family defer payment on the moving fee. 
Okay. Not only that, they were having trouble finding movers. I, I guess they ultimately did, but I guess a lot of movers here were so upset that they didn't even want to deal with it. But anyway, well, let's hope it all works out. But boy, it's uh, you've got that big, uh, that big empty space down there. It's, uh, it's going to be a, a, a blight for another several months, I guess, until, well, until prob- we get probably a lot of years in reality. <laughs> <Probably> a lot <laughs> of years. <laughs> maybe hey, we'll get maybe we'll get another team back here by the time all that all the smoke settles. Who knows? Not we, in that stadium. <laughs> Who knows? Well, they, at least the Aztecs, you know. Let's get at least. Hey, you know, the Aztecs win the Mountain West Championship every year. Yeah. So at least they're winners. Yeah. Have you gone to their games, Richard? They're a lot of fun. They're fun. Yeah. Yeah, the Aztecs are fun. I love it. You know, not as many commercials and the band plays. I mean, if folks, yeah. uh, this is gonna this is gonna be good for the Aztecs. I looked on their schedule. They are booked there for at least this coming season and part of the, the following. So yeah. we'll see how long the, that lasts. And. But anyway, George, you're um, you're big in Rotary downtown. I guess you've been in Rotary since '88, right? And, yeah, um, Rotary is a fantastic organization, and that's one of the best decisions I ever made was joining Rotary. Yeah, Mission Valley Rotary, um, and currently you're with the downtown club. But I've I've been to the Mission Valley Rotary with when Judge Bob Coates. They kind of merged two clubs there for a while. Did you know Judge? No, Bob I know Co- Bob Coates, Judge Coates well. Yeah, no, he was he's a great guy, and uh, I was he was in Rotary from the beginning that I was there, and I still see him once in a while. And the Mission Valley Club was wonderful. It doesn't exist anymore, actually. Yeah, and that's why some of us ended up in the downtown breakfast club which is we meet at the university club and wednesday mornings and it's fantastic club well you ever have richard why don't you guys have like a joint meeting with uh with star and and rotary one time just for the hell of it think about that i don't know if they ever thought about that yeah because uh star meets there thursday morning thursday morning that's certainly (laughs) worth a discussion strategic trusted uh uh, advisors advisors round table yeah which is where how i've been rather um well remiss in not going to meetings yeah well, I mean, you're, you've, look at, you can't, although Rotary might be a different, an exception, but a lot of people get into these uh, nonprofits or whatever, and then, you know, for a number of years, and either, you know, you, you migrate to a new one, or, you know, you figure I've done my, done my time, or you get other interests or other things take over your time, but uh, I'm glad that it's worked out for you, that you're able to still, still be a member down there. Oh, yeah, Rotary is really, I mean, it does incredible community good. When I joined it, you know, I was 21, and it was a smaller club in Mission Valley, and they sang, and they didn't sing very well. And I thought, <laughs> well, and I thought, do I really want to be a part of this? And I kind of joined because I thought, well, I want to just meet people and get to know people yeah. in town. And uh-huh. I look back now as that that was clearly one of the best decisions I ever made. I mean, wonderful people, wonderful projects, really quite and, something. And um, gosh, in the main club downtown, then uh, is it Club Thirty Three, the main one? Right. They get, uh, of course, everyone gets great speakers, but oh, uh, they really get the good ones. I yeah. saw Margaret Thatcher speak there, Dan Quayle, a number of different. Yeah. You know, I mean, they Na- really do pull in the big ones. National figures, no doubt. Some sports figures here and there too, right? Absolutely. Things like that. So, but uh, George, you've written a, a ton of articles here, and uh, maybe we should just talk with the one that's most recent with City of Life. Is that one of your more recent ones? Yeah, that's probably yeah one of the more recent ones, mm-hmm. and that's really about. Uh, San Diego, you know, we all like to think it's a big global brand, but in mm-hmm. many ways, San Diego is really a regional brand. And mm-hmm. it's kind of sad because San Diego's got everything it takes to be a major global brand, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really have a message that it's projecting out there. And that's what City of Life is about, is projecting a global brand and message. Unfortunately, in San Diego, it all comes back to largely failed leadership and why we have a lot of the problems that we have. Yeah. And they don't want to really move San Diego forward. Well, the, yeah, the, sadly, the craft beer, and of course, with the with the convention business and the and the hoteliers, which we can talk about, uh, you know, after the break. But uh, you know, they've got a lot to say about a lot of these things, and and that's the problem. Can't get everybody on the same page. The but town the, is run by hotels. Yeah, we'll see exactly. what we can do and defense. We'll be back with George Mullen, activist and author, right after this. Hang on. 
All right, we're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Sponsors, thank you. All right, what next? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> UBS can not do this show without UBS and Michael Caranta, also our favorite CPAs on the planet. We've got two groups of them, Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, a great CFO services firm, also number 13 on the fastest-growing 100 companies list, San Diego Book of Lists from the Business Journal. So number 13, so congratulations to Signature Analytics. Also, more traditional CPAs, Plato Epic CPAs up in San Marcos, tax returns, financial statements, and the like. Also, our great friend Joel Grushkin with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, all this improved their, you got all this improved cash flow. Why don't you store it at Mechanics Bank? Great niche market bank here in San Diego. Sean Puckett heads up the San Diego Regional Office, specializing in working with Wealthy families, family offices, and families that invest in real estate. Great employee benefits firm, too, on our sponsor list. That would be Hub International, of course, employee benefits. And healthcare, huge topic right now. Who knows what's going to happen? Also, our great friend Tony Lombardi and Alex Sonkin, the LG Experience, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Recent guest, Paul Hines. Paul, of course, heads up Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and he's the catalyst behind SeniorSafeAndSound.org here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial abuse of the elderly. Also, Michelle St. Clair, Elite Lifestyle Management, a great concierge service. For those of you who have no time, Elite Lifestyle Management will help you get your most precious asset back. That would be your time. They can help you with all kinds of great things to help you save time. And, of course, Brenda Geiger with Geiger Law Office. Her firm specializes in asset protection and estate planning. Now, those of you who are missing dinner just to listen to our show, we appreciate it. But we can also help you there, too. How's that, Joe? Absolutely. There's the Very Good Food Foundation, headed up by Michelle Ciccarelli Lirac, putting on great foodie events all year long. And, of course, Lestat's Coffee Houses, uh, Normal Heights, University Heights, and a new one on University Avenue, all open 24-7, 365 with great food and coffee and people watching. And Richard has been working with many of these sponsors for many years with great success, correct? Yeah, about 30 years. <laughs> long, long time. As long as also George. Big, th- big thank you to Courtney Hole. Absolutely. Off-tax graphics for doing such a great job Abs- on the website. Absolutely. You can go to iwaymoney.com. There's a sponsor tab across the top of the page. In a drop-down menu, you can learn about any or all of our great sponsors. And we couldn't do this show without them, as Richard says. And uh, there you have it. Um, so, George, all, question. If you can't answer this question, that's okay. Well, we're right? going to start with, we've got to keep up with City of Life, though. Well, I just want to ask him one quick question. What kind of grade do you give Mayor Faulkner? Oh, I, I would have to give an F. <laughs> an F? Okay. I, I, I mean, I really believe that. It's okay to be blunt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wish I could say A, but I have to say F. Homelessness, chargers, down the list. I mean, yeah. this city has got some Soccer huge city. problems. Yeah. He's, va- he's basically uh, AWOL. I never see the guy on uh, very rarely making a media appearance or any kind of statement or poli- you know, press conference. I mean, he's there for, you know, opening a mall or whatever. I know he announced the downtown, those little free. Um, Lots of ribbon cuttings. Yeah, the, those, um, those little. Um, did you see these downtown retreat free ride? Uh, mm-hmm. the, there's about 10 of them. Yeah, there's 10. You can them. flag them down or there's an app if you need to get a little. Uh, that way you don't have to sprain your ankle stepping in a pothole. Yeah, a little. Oh, yeah, that's another, <laughs> another issue. So. But anyway, we, uh, we were talking about City of Life uh, before the break, and um, where do we go off with that, uh, George? I know that you said about the branding and, and trying to get us some more of a global, a global
global uh, image. And uh, what would you recommend? Well, I, I mean, I really think that the, the bigger problem in San Diego is failed leadership, and it goes down the list from our road problems, losing the chargers, a homeless problem that's just out of control. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that really is the origin of all of our problems. And the city, the lack of branding, again, it comes back to failed leadership. But the origin of all that is really San Diego is controlled by just a few interests. Whereas major cities like New York, Chicago, LA, there's so many powerful interests interests vying for power and, mm-hmm. and their interests, they offset each other. It's checks and balances because mm-hmm. you have so many things competing. In mm-hmm. San Diego, you know, it's lo- largely for a long time been a tourism town. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they've let the hotelers and a certain clique of them, which we call the hoteler cabal, which is really three main players, mm-hmm. control the landscape. They mm-hmm. own the mayor, they own most of the council. And they don't make good decisions, frankly, but uh, it goes forward anyway. That's the reason our centennial imploded. It's the reason the 2017 uh, America's Cup is not in San Diego. It's in Bermuda instead. Mm-hmm. It's the reason. Uh, well, wouldn't they want? Wouldn't they want events here uh, to, um, you know, to, to fill up the, up the hotel rooms? Uh, absolutely, they will, unless it's going to cost more money that they think can help drive filling their hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. And that Thank was you. the source of that from. Uh, people that I understand it from, uh, they balked at putting in money for the America's Cup. Yeah. So it went elsewhere. It really should have been here. Well, Malin Burnham, I'm sure he would love to have it here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I he think would. he helped get it here to, uh, at least. The, the Way f- back when. Yeah. Absolutely. And it should have been here. I mean, this is a great America's Cup city, but it didn't come here. But that's it. And so it really comes back to failed leadership and who's running the town. And it is the small click, the hotel or cabal. Yeah. Yeah. So what are, what are your thoughts what, on the Centennial Balboa Park and the fact that that thing just sort of fizzed out? That was an extraordinary opportunity for San Diego really to wave his flag because, as we all know, the the creation of Balboa Park and the um, uh, exposition mm-hmm. in 1915 through 1917 really was something that put San Diego on the map. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the idea for doing a big Centennial celebration had been around a while, and uh, they went through a couple of leaders. But unfortunately, the problem there, and we know some great people in the uh, amusement park business that have built great amusement parks that wanted to be involved, and they just ignored them. Effectively, the board was stacked with hoteler types, Mm -hmm. and they seized control of the thing and put in one of their right-hand men to run the thing. Pretty quickly, see, I think they thought that they could fill hotel rooms in the off-season by controlling the thing and gearing it that way. Mm -hmm. They pretty quickly figured out they didn't know what they were doing, and they ran it into the ground, and they jumped ship and, I believe, left Miss Dubik with holding the bag. And... You know, somewhere between three to five million dollars went missing yeah. or was gone. Spent. No one's been held accountable, blamed, mm-hmm. and everyone just kind of shrugs at City Hall. And it's kind of extraordinary because I don't know any other civic activity like that where that kind of money goes nowhere. And it's such no a shame one really researches that it. could have been such a global showcase for this city. You know, as a it could have yeah, been. Instead, it was just a big flop. It could have been a, a Super Bowl type thing, and they should. I think they should have put a Super Bowl type committee together and um, get some major events. Uh, Events player players in, involved, and that could have been an that could have been from the full year, Richard. They could have done a major thing once a month, bring in these concerts, get the symphony involved. You know, Tony Bennett do stuff in the the, the organ pavilion. I mean, it was uh, what a what a you know what a dud. Absolutely, and, you know, in 1915, I believe it was I think San Diego's population was something like 35,000 people or 50,000 people. I don't remember mm-hmm, exactly mm-hmm. that put together Balboa Park and that extraordinary exposition. Yeah. And the ex- exposition was extended and ended up going I think mm-hmm. two years. Two years, yeah, and. Uh, that we, this city of 
you know, 1.3 million or 3.3 million in the county couldn't put something together is really something. Yeah. Well, that was Alonzo Horton back then, right? Was he around? I mean, one these guys are real promoters. They knew how to promote. And a lot of them were developers, too. So, uh, you know, whatever you think of that. But they, they knew how to. A lot of it came out of the chamber originally, the, huh. the Chamber of Commerce, the concept for doing it. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, from, I believe he first put the idea out in like 1909. Mm-hmm. And they built that whole thing and put on that great thing that really helped put Santa on the map. Yeah. But again, like you said, they should have had the right leaders for it for the centennial that could have taken it to the well, to where it needed to go. Maybe oh, not, well, we may, can do it right 100 years from now. I was just right. We have 100 years yeah. to work on Richard, it. <laughs> Richard, you read my mind. How about that? Hey, um, anyway, I've got 100 years to get the next one right <laughs> so, when, the, when the water is up, too. <laughs> That's right. We'll be working on it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be Balboa Park in the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The beach will be on 6th Avenue. It'll be great. That's right. A big but, beach party. Uh, <laughs> Take the rowboats in. Gondolas. Anyway, um, the homeless issue. Now, what, why do you think this has been... Uh, such a challenge, and it's gotten so much worse. And I think it's finally gotten the attention of the hotel industry and and the sport, you know, the, the Padres uh, as well, because it's it's gotten uh, so exponentially worse uh, downtown. Have you been downtown, Richard, uh, to see? Uh, I mean, these tent cities. Well, I'm afraid and so. Commercial, commercial. I like street. to run down there. It's pathetic. I mean, it's, it's dep- sad. It's sad and depressing. And uh, you know, back in the day when, when I got, I mean, you know, that that parking lot to the directly east of the Semper Building on uh, on A Street there, A and Second, I believe. I mean, you see a few, maybe one or two um, homeless people laying on the sidewalk. Now it's around the block. You know, all four, uh, and um, the library obviously so, across. So I guess the street. putting rocks under the underpasses didn't help. No, and now no. I guess they have the police just confiscating, uh, you know, their 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 goods and, and whatnot. Let me ask you this, George, uh, before we get into your your concept, Sunbreak Ranch, which has gotten a lot of. Uh, well, gosh, we kind of, you know, what we're coming up on our break. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to interrupt. Uh, in about 15 seconds. But anyway, you've got a great idea with the Sunbreak Ranch, and uh, we'll get into causation and hopefully some solutions. With George Mullen, artist, activist, homeless advocate, and all around good guy. We'll be right back. All right, we're getting smart with George Mullen here, very intelligent guy, artist, activist, homeless advocate, and um, all-around good guy, as I keep saying. The city of San guy. Diego invented the cone of silence. Yeah. Um, nice author, commentator. Boy, how many articles have you written, George? I have to say uh, at least what, a good hundred or so, or what? Yeah, probably. It's been a lot at this point. And Too a lot, many. I like it in, in a lot of uh, editorials. Let's give your websites, because a lot of your information is right there. Studiorevolution.com is one, right? Yes, sir. And then cityoflife.com for this other concept we're talking about. Right. And then Sunbreak Ranch. What's the website for that? Yeah, sunbreakranch.com, and that's oh. about our homeless proposal. Yeah. And the one, you, the other one you might note is hotelercabal.com, because that explains what this cabal actually is. Yeah. Hotel, yeah, you have to look that up, folks. It's hotel with I-E-R, cabal.com. I think they say hotelier. Hotelier. Like concierge. Concierge. Is it concierge? Concierge. Something. Is it concierge or concierge? Do we know? Not supposed to pronounce the G, but You're we'll not? let you get away with it. Okay, concierge. <laughs> Whatever. i got to learn a little French. Anyway, um, uh, George, why do, you, why do you think the homeless population has increased? Just not here, but I guess it's a, it's a national issue, right? Uh, it's got to be tied to the economy, uh, right? Well, that, that's not exactly true, Joe. No? Uh, you know, the statistics show over the last decade, nationwide, homelessness is down 30%. Hmm. Most people don't know that. Really? However... In San Diego County, in that same decade, it's up 77%. It's extraordinary, the difference. How do you account for that? Well, I I go come back to failed leadership and not addressing the issue. 
And unfortunately, our local leaders, they think talking is actually action, and it's, it's not. And it's, I've been working downtown 30 years, and in the last two, three years, and you know, when we say it's grown 77%, I think the lion's share of that has been in the last four years. Yes. It's everywhere down there, but it's not just downtown. We've had uh, some of our uh, homeless advocates that know well in Mission Valley from where the river dumps into the uh, bay, mm-hmm. out to Lakeside, they tell me that there's probably three to 4,000 homeless living along the river. Oh, my gosh. And then you look in the canyons, Midway. There's I mean, a the whole city's full of populations now in coastal North County. Yeah, I'm just Absolutely. saying. Absolutely. It's everywhere. Oceanside's getting bad. And, and they say the military, I mean, the veteran population of homeless has decreased somewhat, right? Um, but is it still larger than it, what yeah, it was? I think it's still larger. It is doing better. Last weekend was Stand Down in our Rotary. We serve breakfast every year at, at the Stand Down at mm-hmm. San Diego High School. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's it, Stand Down is an amazing event if you've never been, Joe. Mm, I'm, I'm familiar, yeah. And, uh, you know, set up all the tents and mm-hmm. serve the, the homeless veteran community. And it's really a, a great weekend. But you really can see the problem is extensive out there with veterans and yeah. non-veterans. Let me ask you, though, if you're, if you're homeless downtown, is there at least a facility? I know they had that locker facility where you could at least lock up their, their items and get a shower or something. Does that still exist or is that uh, not working or what? I don't know exactly what the status of that is now. I mean, because they've mm-hmm. tried different things like that, like the, the bathroom, the loose yeah. that they built that then they are now shut down. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know the exact status of that right now. But there's some great people down there trying to help. Yeah. Father Joe's, you know, with uh, Bob McElroy and the well, Alpha yeah. Project. I mean, there's the owner, so the, many people trying yeah. to help. The owner of the Padres, Peter Silas, give him a shout out. I mean, he is trying. He's trying to get people together and to lead on this and, and whatever. And you've met with him, right? Yeah, we've met with Peter a yeah. number of times yeah. and him and Dan Shea. And there's so many great people trying yeah. to get things done. Yeah. I mean, if, from my perspective, and I'm not speaking for anyone else i think the politicians are really the leaders are the yeah. problem uh, well, they want to talk whereas the business community wants to take action and really do something to help well, our brothers and sisters well, on the street yeah we'll get we'll get to the sunbreak ranch in in a second but now uh, i think mr seidler and, and dan shea they've come up with this uh one idea to put uh nine a 250 uh, bed unit in like kind of a i guess a big tent of sorts uh in all nine districts nine of those that could help, right? I mean, maybe it's a place to get them cleaned up and, and get them some clean clothes or whatever. Would yeah, I, I mean, I, God bless them. And I think any of these things that can do the job, if we can get them over the line, fantastic. I, the kind of a problem I see with that, though, is if you're going to do nine of at 250, mm-hmm. you're going to have nine NIMBY fights on your hand. Right. And then if you're going to have services there, you're going to have it split up into nine different spots. What right. Sunbreak Ranch is really about is doing that but in one area for the whole county. All right, so give us your plan, the genesis of it, and and, and what you're proposing. Yeah, this is an idea I'd had seven, eight years ago, but I never thought I'd actually author. But Mm -hmm. it's gotten so bad uh, in the last couple of years that finally I just said, I've I've got to try and write something here, Mm -hmm. and hopefully it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So myself and Brian Castor, who's the uh, CEO of A1 Self Storage, we co-authored, and it was published in the Union Tribune in February, and it was under the original name of Camp Hope, but Mm -hmm. we call it Sunbreak Ranch now, and Mm sunbreakranch.com. And the concept is, to look for a piece of city or county land, probably in the Otai area, because there's a lot of open land there, and set up a large ranch-type setting like the old California, California Haciendas. Originally, it would probably be in tents mm-hmm. um, for our entire homeless population. You know, and you this, make a point. Maybe put some horses and animals there. It might uh, be good therapy for well, people, too. That's actually part of the whole thing, is that you could e- actually have some farming, even mm-hmm. animals. But it's meant to be a place to transition the homeless. This isn't just a warehousing thing. Like People like to try and say stuff like that without actually reading what we're doing. Right. It's a transition point from there to send them to the different transitional housing places. Like There's a place in East County that's the best model we've seen. It's called the East County Transitional Living Center, oh, yeah. run by Harold Brown. Harold Brown yep. It's fantastic. He houses mm. 400 
homeless there and has for about 10 years transitioned him into employment and back to uh, you know, permanent homes, and he's got an extraordinary success ratio. Basically, hmm. we'd kind of like to replicate Harold about 10 times around the county. So Sunbreak Ranch would be the big transition point going to the different uh, East County Living Transitional Center or Father Joe's or Alpha Project, all these great organizations that are helping. But mm-hmm. at Sunbreak Ranch, we would have uh, private security 24-7, police presence 24-7. We want it to be a safe, secure place for our homeless brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Now, anyone that tells me that leaving the homeless on the streets downtown at the 17th Street encampment is a better solution is crazy. You're, you're laying there next to drug dealers, gang members, speeding cars, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, hepatitis A outbreak. I mean, as I recall, government, one of the main roles was to protect public health. They don't even have enough Water, not, no, not even no. enough access it, to it, water. It's a huge petri dish down there of disease right. and and risks for the homeless. Yeah. So we we need to help them, but it also will help our city so, as well. So what if you approach a homeless man or woman and um, say, "Would you please come with us? We have a we have a facility for you down in Otay." You explain what you're trying to do, and what if they say, "No, I want to stay here." Oh, yeah, I guess we're gonna. Do, what do you do? Well, ultimately, if you go on the sunbreakranch.com website, you'll see that we have a list of amenities. And this is going to be a very positive place and experience. And we think a lot of the homeless, once the word gets out, will want to go there as their transition point. Mm-hmm. But those that don't, um, you know, hopefully they'll be a bet at Father Joe's or Alpha Project. But at some point, once we're up and running and we have available clean beds with security for the people, they can come and go as they please. This is not a prison. This is meant to be a home. Uh, at that point, you'll have to say, you know, if someone wants to sleep on the street, you say, you know, there are laws against sleeping on the street. You can't loiter. You can't defecate in public. Mm-hmm. You can go to Sunbreak Ranch. You can go to Father Joe's. You can go to Los Angeles, but you can't you continue can't. to camp on the public street. No That's camping. Yeah, in other so, words, you could pay, so we don't have that kind of ordinance right now. Apparently. No, the, those ordinances no, those aren't. are laws. Yeah, Joe. they're laws. They're not enforced. They're unenforced. And, uh, and I agree that I don't believe in criminalizing homelessness. So if the, per- right. if the person... I mean, we've all had rough, rough days, and some have had much rougher days, and we don't want to kick people when they're down. We want to help them. Right. So I don't believe in criminalizing them if they have nowhere else to go. But if we give them an alternative, a good, clean, safe place to go, then we can enforce the rule of law again. And that's what Sunbreak Ranch is about, is mm-hmm. helping the homeless but returning to the rule of law. Because mm-hmm. our city leaders, have, they've opted for anarchy. Yeah. They said, okay, well, we're not going to do anything. We're going to talk, and we're just going to let the people do what they want now, effectively. Now, and how's, how's it going in some other cities uh, with some success stories? Uh, her Salt Lake City or Albuquerque, they put their, they've they actually built housing, and is, is it working up there? Yeah, I, I think in, in some, and we're not against the housing first, but mm-hmm. the reality is even if some, if we had $10 billion to give, it would take five to ten years at least to get the housing built, and then it would probably right. be filled in by more homeless so we do believe that housing needs to be built, and that's and, part of the long-term and, solution. This is more of the immediate. Yeah. And the but argument, like Houston has had a lot of success. Yeah, but I mean, the argument there may not even be a, a lot of uh, affordable housing for for regular you know, working people today. It's it's, it's tough to get by with, right. with rents. But so. part of the problem I see the politicians right now they they've changed the tactic from what I hear from the mayor and other council members, and it's to keep complaining about the cost of housing. They're trying to divert attention. We can't fight the market. It's going to be what it's going to be. And mm-hmm. unless you can really wipe away all the rules to start building tomorrow, mm-hmm. that's the only way, and it's not going to happen. So yeah. let's focus on helping the homelessness and not pretending like this is just a market thing we can't control. Yeah. George Mullen, thank you so much. George, artist, we told you the time would fly. Yeah. Artist, thank you for having me. Artist, activist, author, writer, all-around good guy, civic, civic-minded, civic terrific gentleman. Thank you. Richard Miso, great seeing you thank this you. week. 
Justin Hart, our sound tech. Thanks for making it sound terrific. Thanks to Craig Blanke and Dave Sniff for uh, all their help here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.